Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 304 with Joseph Liu. I think you'll find this episode particularly useful if you're considering potentially resigning when it's time to do it, how to do it well. So you'll learn one, key indicators that it's time to resign, two, why it matters to resign well, and three, numerous reasons why not to accept a counteroffer. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, it's on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F304. Now, here's Joseph's story. Joseph Liu is a career change consultant, certified coach, and host of the Career Relaunch Podcast. Featured as a top business podcast for entrepreneurs in Forbes, the best podcast for transitioning to a new career in Glassdoor, and a top podcast to help you find your job, according to Business Insider. The podcast has listeners in over 100 countries and has received unanimous five-star ratings, has ranked as a top 30 career podcast in the US and UK on Apple Podcasts, And Joseph taps into 10 years of international corporate branding experience at Fortune 500 companies like Clorox and General Mills. Joseph now coaches professionals to change careers and relaunch their personal brands. He served as a speaker for various conferences and organizations, including TEDx, Marketing Week Live, London Business School, Cambridge Business School, Oxford Business School, and General Assembly. Joseph has also been featured in publications like Forbes, Huffington Post, Fast Company, The Muse, Monster, Success Magazine, Credit Sesame, CEO Blog Nation, and Career Builder. Thanks to Joseph for being so generous with his time, and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is Joseph. Joseph, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Pete. Great to be here. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to dig into your perspective. We're talking a bit about resigning and and how that's done well. And when you quit medical school, I understand the first thing you did was go forth and teach salsa dance lessons. Tell us about that decision-making process. Yeah, that was the fun fact that came to mind for me, Pete, when you asked me that question before we hopped on this recording. And I guess I mentioned that because, yeah, you're absolutely right. I resigned from medical school after two weeks at the Georgetown School of Medicine. And that was one of my first big career pivots in my life. I've had a few. That was the first major one. And I guess I mentioned the salsa dance instructor thing for a couple of reasons. First, it's just kind of a random thing that a lot of people don't know about me. I taught at a Cuban nightclub in Washington, D.C. just to do something on the side just because I enjoyed salsa dancing. And I also mentioned it just because that was a time in my life when I was really confused about my career. And I use that example a lot just to demonstrate to people that hey, it's okay to go out there and explore a lot of different things, even if that thing isn't the exact direction you want to go with your career, because you could uncover some other strengths or illuminate some other path that may not have been obvious if you had just stuck really close to home in your explorations. And so That's intriguing. Well, in your experience, did the salsa dance teaching sort of illuminate something for you? You know, it did, but it was not something that I went into it thinking, Pete. It, It really just was the first time I was consistently up in front of a crowd with a microphone in my hand doing something that was new and something that required engaging an audience. And that was probably the first, one of the first moments when I realized I actually really enjoy public speaking because it wasn't apparent to me. I'm actually quite a strong introvert myself, but that was a moment when I really felt like, hey, this is something that I could enjoy doing. And now I give 
talks and I do public speaking for a living. And this, the seeds may have been planted from those first moments when I was holding that microphone. Well, that, that's intriguing. And, and in your speeches, does some salsa come out from time to time? Uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't come up a whole lot. I, I talk mostly about personal branding and career change, but it does come up in the career change talks just to kind of show people that I've, I've been on my own winding journey that hasn't always been straightforward. Yeah. That's cool. And you share a lot of this wisdom through your podcast, Career Relaunch. Sort of what's the main vibe over there? Yeah. So Career Relaunch is a podcast that I started a couple of years ago, Pete, that is focused on sharing stories of people who have managed to reinvent themselves and to change careers. And I created it mostly as a point of inspiration and companionship for other people who have decided to step off the beaten path in their careers, whether that's a major or minor career change, just because in both cases, just from talking with a lot of people who have pivoted in their careers, it tends to be a very lonely, confusing journey. So through these stories, hopefully people are finding some points of reference that can help inform where they may want to take their career, but also just to remind them that there are other people out there who are going through the challenges of trying to make a switch in their career. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Well, and I really want to talk about the the specifics when it comes to resigning and, and how to do it smoothly and well. I discovered you from Mac Pritchard's podcast, and I, I thought this was just such an important topic. And, and so could you maybe orient us a little bit in terms of the why it matters to to resign well in terms of some might say, well, hey, you're, you're on your way out, whatever. You've got a different take. Could you unpack that for us? Yeah, sure. So I think you're absolutely right about the tendency for people to not care as much about how they behave on their way out the door. But in working with a lot of people who have left their jobs to do something else, time and time again, what is very clear is that how you exit leaves a very long lasting impression with your former colleagues and your former manager and your former company. And so I actually think it matters a lot. I actually think it especially matters when you don't have skin in the game, how you behave, because when you don't have skin in the game, that's actually very telling to others on who you are as a person. It tells people a lot about your actual character And it also tells people a lot about the type of professional you are. So I actually think that resigning is one of the most important things you'll do in your career because so many things can go wrong and because it's hard to do really well. And I just know that a lot of people don't do it as well as they probably could. Well, could you maybe paint a little picture for us in terms of an outstanding resignation and an abysmally, comically bad resignation approach? Yeah, there are a lot of different ways that you can resign from your job. There was actually a monster article about the seven ways you can resign from your job by Dominique Rogers. And they go through, she goes through a different range of ways that you can resign all the way from just bolting in and telling them you're out of there to a more grateful, positive approach. And so I guess to answer your first question, the best in class would to be approaching it in a way that is very grateful and in a way that allows your manager to be in the loop on what your plans are as you're in the process of resigning. And so I think there's two P's that I keep reminding people of when they're trying to resign. And number one is to be professional. Number two is to be positive. So it it means making the time to uh, make the effort to meet with your manager in person, making sure that your manager is the first person who hears this news 
letting them know you're resigning, allowing them to understand that actually this is a very forward-looking decision. It's not any gripe about the current situation or your current job, even if that may be the case, but to keep it positive and to focus on the fact that, hey, I've had a great time here. I've accepted a role at company X, and this is my desired timing. I'm going to do everything I can to try to help facilitate the transition and hopefully to even on-ramp the next person who's going to be following in my footsteps. So it's about letting people know with open communication, but also going the extra mile to let them know that, hey, during the remainder of my time here, I'm going to be giving it 100%. Here are some of my plans on how I'm going to transition in the next person. And here's some of my plans on how to make this transition smooth for you as a manager. Oh, that's so good, Joseph. I think we're going to have some listeners go into the transcript like, I want to use some of those exact words that was right on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and the flip side of that is is not doing any of those things. It's going in and in a very negative way, just letting your manager know that you're you're leaving and not giving any indication that you've thought about how you're going to leave, how to make it easy on the company that, that's still paying you, by the way. Mm-hmm. And um, just using it as a time to air grievances, which I just don't think lands very well with people. Certainly. And I guess when it comes to grievances, if there's some some helpful, actionable feedback elements that I guess in an, an exit interview and such, those can emerge just fine. And so that's that's an area of grievances. I just can't get the, uh, was it Seinfeld? <laughs> Is it the... Uh, is it Saturnalia or no, that's the Latin, that's the Roman holiday, but uh, yeah, they made up sure. a holiday where there's an airing of grievances <laughs> oh, and the right. feats of strength <laughs> as yeah, an alternative exactly. holiday. And so that's all, that's yeah. what I'm chuckling at over here. So yeah. welcome to my brain, yeah. Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, yeah, I think it's so tempting to go negative. I think it's so much easier to go negative than it is to remain positive. Uh, it's just probably just human behavior. And I just, I just don't think in the long run, even though it may feel good, I don't know if it serves you. And it certainly doesn't serve your goodwill that you have built up over time with the company you're currently working for. Yeah, well said. Well, I'd love to back it up just a little bit in terms of before we get to yeah. delivering the message, sure. when it comes to just that internal thinking, pondering, decision-making, you know, what are some of the, the most reliable indicators you've observed amongst clients that says, you know what, it's likely that it is in fact time to resign. Yeah, so there's probably, I guess the first thing I should say about that, Pete, is that resigning and the timing of your resignation is a very personal decision. And so, although I'm kind of going through this saying, hey, there's like a textbook, best in class way to do this, it is a very personal journey that you're on in your career. So you've got to decide at what point have you had enough and at what point do you want to throw in the towel? With that said, I think there are broadly three patterns that I see with people who get to the point where resigning makes sense. And the first one is just physical stress and exhaustion. So not feeling energized, never feeling like you're in flow, feeling like you're spending your evenings and your weekends recuperating from your day job. And the second one is just looking around the organization, not seeing another role that appeals to you. So you might be in a place where you're thinking, okay, I don't like my current role. Is there something else that I could do? Would I want my manager's job? Would I want my manager's manager's job? And if you look left, right, and upward in your organization and you don't see anything that resonates with you, I think that's another reason to maybe consider looking elsewhere. The final one, I think, is when your day job starts to encroach on your personal happiness. And I've had that happen to me in my career where 
my work wasn't really energizing me and I, I dragged it home. And I, I even remember going out to dinner once with my wife and, and she just had to stop me from complaining so much about my job. I was just dragging it into my personal life and my family life too much. And it was just, it was becoming hard for other people to be around me. So yeah, I think those are a few of the signs that are, I think are red flags. Well, that's, that, that's pretty clear. Certainly. Thank you. And then when it comes to doing the resignation, you, the some wisdom would suggest that, you know, don't leave a job until you've got another one lined up. And, and it seems like that there are a few more shades of gray to, to that rule of thumb. Could you expand upon that a little bit? Absolutely. So you're absolutely right about conventional wisdom saying that you should have a job lined up before you resign from your current job, which I think on the surface, I actually, I see that does make sense in a lot of situations. First of all, because just practically speaking, you may not have the luxury of being able to take the risk of uh, being unemployed for a while to try to find another job. And then there's also a lot of, I guess, conventional wisdom that says that you're more employable when you are employed because you just look more attractive to hiring managers and recruiters. So, so I, get, I get all that and I buy into that. At the same time, there are, I think, some hidden advantages to quitting before you have a job lined up. And I've done this myself in my career. And it's uncomfortable. But I think there's probably a couple times when you may want to consider it assuming that you are, you can take the risk. One is that you, you just may not have the headspace or the time or the capacity to be looking for another job outside of your day job. It could just be that your job is so demanding that you just don't have the, the spare energy to, to do it effectively. And I hear that from a lot of my clients is that they just don't have it in them to, to spend their evenings and weekends working on CVs and cover letters and resumes and applying to jobs. It's just, it's hard to do. It's a full-time job. So one advantage to resigning before you have something else lined up is just freeing up some time. The other, the other advantage, which I think is a little bit more subtle, is that sometimes if you're in a job that is so draining on you or it makes you so unhappy, it can actually affect how you show up in hiring situations because you're just so down about your current job. And when you show up to recruit for another job, you just, people can tell you're unhappy. And I think that that won't serve you well as a candidate. I think people can sniff that out. And so I think you can come across as being, being someone who is really frustrated and who, who is desperate to get out. And people can generally sniff out desperation. And I, I think that makes you a less attract, attractive candidate. Well, so I, I see that indeed we got some real sort of counterbalancing forces to be weighed against each other. And so I'd like to get your take, being up close and personal with a lot of clients and seeing how their their paths unfold. What's your view in terms of how true is it that one who is currently employed looks more attractive? Do you think it's a little bit more attractive or a lot more attractive? I actually do think it is more attractive. I think that it's just the nature of recruitment. And I've spoken with plenty of recruiters. I've worked with recruiters both as a client and a candidate. And yeah, in most cases, it's easier for a recruiter to present a candidate to their client who is currently gainfully employed and happy and knocking it out of the park and having accomplishment after accomplishment. So yeah, I, I do think it is actually slightly advantageous to be currently employed. It, it also, I think, I mentioned the other situation where it 
it affects your confidence in a negative way, it, it can actually boost your confidence in a positive way if you're currently very happy and um, you know people like confidence. So I do think it's an advantage. I, I just think it's not. I think it's not a completely black and white issue. I do think there are cases where, and I've had clients who are in this situation where they just they were not able to gain traction with the kind of radical career change they were trying to make, whether it's starting their own business or their own side gig or just looking for another job. They, they just couldn't do that search justice given the fact that their current job was such a drain on them. So it, I know I'm kind of, I'm kind of almost dodging the question, but I, well, I think no, there's no, a case for it's, There's yeah. nuance there, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, that's exactly, that's a good word for it. It, it. It's it's very nuanced. It's a very gray situation. Well, and I'm wondering if you were to leave a job before having another, is there a super cool experience or answer or explanation you can offer beyond, I just hated it there and I had to leave, <laughs> you know, because I was like, oh, you know, I was really interested in pursuing the technological disruptions associated with this. Or, you know, I've had it in my heart for such a long time to do some service in impoverished developing nations. And so I just I just had to get, make a go of it. I, I don't know. Is, is there a sort of a, a good story or experience or explanation that can uh, bridge the gap? Well, I think, again, I think it's always going to land better with people if you're positive and forward-looking and talking about the, the upside of the opportunity in front of you versus what you're trying to get away from. So I think as long as you don't go into it talking about your gripes about your current organization, which you'd be, it sounds like you'd be surprised that people do do that. And I've had colleagues who, who when they exit, it's, it's like they're, uh, they are going out in the blaze of glory and uh, they don't try to make it a professional exit. They're actually, uh, you know, they're quite unprofessional about it. So this stuff, this stuff does happen. But I think, I think, I don't know, best in class is probably talking about why you were very happy in your current role, but for a variety of reasons in your life or you've got some other priorities that have come up, this opportunity that has come up at this particular juncture in your life makes a lot of sense. And it's nothing about your current organization that you're trying to get away from. It's just this is a really great opportunity that would be too good for you to turn down. And so you're going to go for it but uh, that uh, that you've had a really good experience there. So I think if you can give some combination of why the new experience has been is going to be good for you and also why that doesn't uh, diminish any of your positive experiences at your current organization, I think that tends to land quite well. Got it. Well, it sounds like you've got a story or two in mind in terms of a blaze of glory and unprofessionalism. So maybe to, to have some laughs and uh, and that picture of what not to do, could you share one with us? Yeah, I, I won't say who this person is and I won't even say the company I was at. And I'm not giving an example of myself, by the way, but I was working at a large blue chip company where they hire uh, best in class, like top marketers and the people who work there are very professional. But I remember somebody resigning and she, she actually had a one month notice period. So I'm in the UK where notice periods can be a little bit longer officially. Anywhere from one month to three months is quite standard. And during that last month, she completely checked out. Like she literally didn't show up to work. And when she was in meetings, she was very negative she showed up late. She was bad-mouthing other people in the organization, gossiping a lot to the point where I basically just stayed away from her. And I don't think that when people resign, that is that common, but it does happen. And 
it's funny because we're talking about this right now and she's the first person that came to mind. And that's how I'll always remember her. Even though we worked fine together on teams, I will always remember about, I'll always remember her for how she exited the company. And I don't think that's the kind of legacy you want to leave with people. And people do remember you. You know, people talk about first impressions. People also remember last impressions. So that's why this topic I think is so important. Absolutely. Well, and could you, you share a little bit here? We're thinking about sort of the timeline. So there's the telltale signs to know it's, it's time to resign. And then later on, there's the actual announcement, having the, the boss be the first to know. Any key things you recommend doing in that in-between zone, post-decision and, and pre-announcement? Yeah. So that's a really important period, Pete. And I think it's probably going to feel like one of the most awkward times in your career. So if, you, if you're in this situation, if you're listening to this and you're in that situation where you've decided to resign, but you haven't actually formally resigned yet, just know that this is going to be as uncomfortable as you probably feel in a job because you're going to feel like you're hiding something and you're going to feel like you're not being forthcoming with your manager. And when they start talking about whatever it is, the upcoming meeting or the upcoming presentation they would like you to make or upcoming project planning, it's hard to not spill the beans on this stuff. So with that in mind, I think one thing you need to do before sharing your news is to absolutely keep it to yourself until you're ready to share it with your manager and literally do not share it. And I mean it with, with literally no one else because the last thing you want to have happen is for your manager to hear this news from someone else in your organization. That's not going to be good. So want to keep it to yourself. Another piece of advice is more of an administrative one is just to make sure you, you review your work contract. This is coming up with somebody I know right now who is um, exiting from her organization, but there are some uh, there are some legalities around the amount of time that she needs to be there. And so you need to understand your work contract before you promise a start date with your future employer. And you may also just want to understand the administrative uh, side of things related to benefits and other sorts of admin details. And then there's just two other things I think are especially important. One just doesn't happen enough, which is to prepare some sort of a transition file so that when you go to your manager to resign, you go in with literally a document or, or at least something that you can verbalize that demonstrates that you have given some thought into how you're going to exit gracefully and facilitate a smooth transition for the manager and the new hire that's going to replace you. Like that is golden if you do that. And it just demonstrates that you really care about the organization. It leaves a really great positive impression. And last thing I would say to do is just to make sure you're solidifying your relationships. And that means making sure that you're staying in touch with the people who are not only on your team, but also your cross-functionals. Make sure you nurture those relationships because a couple things can happen after you resign. That You could experience a little bit of disenfranchisement in the organization. You also are going to be depending on those relationships to ensure a smooth exit out of the company. And so you, you want people on your side once, once they know that you're, you're no longer going to be part of the team. Well, and I'd love to get some further detail when we talk about a transition plan or, or document. What are some great things that can go in it or, or, or action steps to volunteer to tackle to be a, the most delightful exiting employee possible. Yeah, so this is actually uh, probably I would consider simple to do, but not always easy to do, which is, it's literally a document and you can capture a few items on it. Number one is project status. So on your projects, 
Where do they stand? What's the situation on them? Are they on track? Are they behind? Are they ahead of schedule? Just so somebody can glance just really quickly and understand what's on your plate and how are all those projects going? What's your role in those projects? Along those lines, you also want to outline any sort of key issues or sticky situations that are either present in those projects right now or maybe coming down the pike. You probably want to identify some key relationships. So the document could include some of the key contacts you have in the organization, especially outside of your current function. So cross-functional relationships with people who have helped you get stuff done in the organization. And then one more thing to keep in mind with that transition file is just key stakeholders on your projects, key decision makers related to your projects so that whoever looks at that transition file, and and this file is not only for your manager, it's also for the incoming person who's going to succeed you. It allows them to very quickly understand who they need to be building strong relationships, especially when it comes to uh, stakeholder management. So those are just a few things like project status, key issues, relationships, stakeholders. I'm just sort of imagining this situation and and seeing what would be the most helpful possible thing you could do if I'm in the manager's shoes here. Yeah, I'm wondering, and this might be, this has pros and cons to it. So I'll just throw it out, see how it goes. Like I, I'm wondering, I, I think if I'm the manager, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I got to go through all of the headache associated with finding a person. And, and so I would kind of appreciate it if the XE employee were, would volunteer to do some of that legwork, whether that's in terms of, you know, writing up a, a job post or a job description or, or sifting through the hundreds of resumes to give me a more manageable dozens of resumes and that sort of thing. So the flip side, though, they might say, you know, if if you are not enthused <laughs> about this role, yeah. do I want you kind of facing those who, who may replace you? So I don't know. What's your take <laughs> right. on this one? <laughs> so that's, I think, a great point, Pete. I should have mentioned that before, but I think that one thing you can also do in this meeting is just ask your manager, hey, what can I do to make your life easier over the next X number of weeks? Is there anything I can do to help? And assuming that they perceive you as a professional individual, I think they'd be happy to have you involved with the hiring process. So I've had, I've had both happen to me personally in my career. So I've had situations where my manager said, hey, could you lead the hiring process? You know what this role is about. You know what it takes to do well in this role. Can you actually interview your replacement, which is kind of a weird, surreal thing to be going through. But yeah, I think it can be really helpful because hiring is really time consuming. And then I've had situations where people just, it's just, I'm just not involved with that. So I think both can, I don't think it was probably, I don't think people thought I was going to sabotage it or anything, but they just, for what they just chose not to have me involved. So I think both can happen. I think ultimately it comes down to what your manager think is, what your manager thinks is best. And so I think that's the general principle is just whatever he or she thinks is best. I would go with that. If they want you to be involved, I would, I would treat it seriously. I would approach it professionally. I would hire someone as if you were going to remain there. I think that's a great, I think it's a great way to, to go out if you're willing to do that and invest the time. I think that we that would leave a really great, positive, last impression with people. Very cool. Well, now I'd like to speak to to the fear here. So it's that you, you've really laid out a, a lovely set of things to do to exit 
gracefully and well. But nonetheless, I think that there is a, a not so rational part of us that, that still has this fear like, oh, if, if I, if I leave, they're, they're going to be disappointed in me. They're going to be bitter toward me. They're going to say terrible things about me. I'm going to be burning bridges. You're dead to me, Joseph. And so could you, could you speak to, to that in terms of, hey, if you do everything just right, what are the odds of that happening? And, and how should we think about it? Well, so you just never really know with people. Pete, like, I think I would love to sit here and say, okay, if you follow this step-by-step process that you're going to exit and everything's going to be great and everybody's going to be happy. I think the reality is in the world that people are human on both sides. You mentioned this earlier. I think you're absolutely right. I think the manager is going to be a little freaked out. I think the moment you say I'm resigning, I think the rest of it can be a little bit of a blur. So yeah, like I say here, yeah, get your transition file ready. But at, at the same time, how much of that does the manager really absorb? I, I've done that before with managers. I, I, by that point in time, I, I'm handing over the document. They, they seem like that's not what they want to look at at that very moment. So yeah, I think that there is a lot of emotion related to this. And I think that it can go a couple ways. I think everybody can approach it professionally. And I think that um, people cannot take things too personally. And, and your manager can want the best for you. And once they hear that you are going off to a great opportunity, they'll be more than happy for you. And they'll even, in fact, do whatever they can to help you. I think that's a great situation. I think there are also situations where the manager's a little freaked out. And they may not be upset at you, but, but they're focused on trying to figure out how to clean up what's going to be a shortage of resource on their team. Yeah, I think... I think it's very natural to go into one of these meetings and feel a little bit nervous about it. And I know when I've done it in the past, it's it's been really nerve wracking. And like literally, my heart's racing when I do this because you know you you develop a good relationship with your manager. You don't want to disappoint them, and you, you don't want to create a mess for them. And at the same time, you got to think about what's good for your own career. So yeah, like I said earlier, I think resigning is a really emotional turning point in your career. And so it will feel heavy, I think. Well, I guess it's a, it's a good indicator. If your manager is feeling, I don't know, shell-shocked or stupefied, as opposed to just like relieved and delighted, <laughs> yeah. that means you've done something, right? Exactly. I, I always tell people, try, people have different pieces of advice on this one, Pete, but my advice to people is to try to do this fairly early in the week and not do it on a Friday because you don't want them thinking about this over the weekend. You want to do this at a time when your manager can talk to whoever they need to talk to in the organization right away, figure out how they're going to share the news. They probably are going to need to talk to HR. They're not going to want to be thinking about this over the weekend. They, they want to be able to talk to people right away. So yeah, I think it's good to think about where your manager is at and the timing of when you do this. I think it matters. Catch them when they've got some headspace. There's not going to be a perfect time, but there will be better times. Okay. And, and if you do find yourself handed a, a counteroffer upon you, you sharing your plans, boy, what do you do with that? All right. So I have a very strong view on this, Pete, and I, I read all sorts of different articles with different pieces of advice on this. I just read an article actually yesterday about how to handle counteroffers. And I... I was just shaking my head because my view in general, okay, and I think there's going to be exceptions to this, is to not take counteroffers. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, first of all, one of the things I recommend to people just to preclude this from even happening is to just make sure you accept your role 
before, accept your future role before you resign from your current role. And that just eliminates the possibility of you even taking a counteroffer. But let's say you've done that, or let's say you haven't done that, and somebody gives you a counteroffer, which is likely going to happen. I think most managers find it very expensive to replace even non-outstanding employees. I would recommend don't take it. And, and there's a few problems with taking counteroffers that can play out in the long run that might not be obvious in the short run. And the first problem is, if you take a counteroffer, I'm just going to assume it's some sort of financial counteroffer, it, it then becomes very clear that the only thing that's keeping you at the organization is some incremental amount of money, which means that you're basically motivated and driven by money. And I don't know if that's the kind of personal brand you want to be building for yourself in your organization. The next one, which is much more practical, is that if you take a counteroffer, it may keep you in the organization. It may sort of make you happier for the time being. But if you work in any sort of a large organization or established organization, they're probably going to recalibrate your salary the next year just so you're not wildly out of whack with other people in your same grade level or your same level in the organization. And I think that the final problem with it, which I think is the biggest problem, is that your goodwill in your organization may take a hit if you stay. Well, let's say you take the counteroffer. I think your goodwill in your organization is going to take a hit because people n- know now that you were thinking about leaving. And so now you've gone from being someone who's, I don't know, loyal to the organization and quite happy there to someone who thought about leaving and is now sudden, suddenly staying. People are unfortunately never going to look at you the same. And, and the way that pans out in practical terms is maybe you're going to get passed up for a promotion that you would have been considered for if people didn't know that you were thinking about leaving. So in general, I, I think it doesn't, it doesn't go well. Also, I, I forgot, to, this is one more thing, just really important point I thought of just now is that if you have verbally accepted your new offer and then you renege saying that you've accepted a counteroffer, there's a bridge you've definitely burned at that point. Right, okay, that, that's, that's some mounting evidence. I, I wanna follow up on, uh, on that one thing you said in terms of if others realize you were considering other things and then you uh, didn't uh, take them and you stuck around that your your goodwill takes a hit. I guess, well, call me naive, but I guess I'm thinking everybody at all times is always entertaining mini offers. Yeah, that's <laughs> Maybe true. not hard offers like in hand written with, with dollar signs, you know, but just like the notion of, of fluidity and opportunity and, and how you know, one as the the CEO of one's own career, you know, should kind of always, you know, have have eyes open and, and awareness of of opportunities, what's out there and, and going. And so and maybe that's not as much the real world in terms of people's perception of when other people do that, that's that's bad news. But I just want to get your take on that one. Yeah. So I think that there are always exceptions to these rules. I think if Gosh, if, if your current employer comes back with an enor- like an amazing counteroffer that you can't turn down, okay, yeah, maybe think about it. But I guess the, the problem with that then is, let's say they do come back with something that is extremely compelling and, and extremely attractive and tempting. If I'm the employee, my question then is, well, so it took me wanting to leave in order for you to offer these things to me. It just, I don't know if that, signals good things about your employer in that case. So I think that I think that won't go well for you potentially in the future. Let's say you're in a similar situation in the future where you're unhappy with something. Are you going to then have to try to pretend to resign again to get what you want? So me personally, I think that it's it's problematic 
in all sorts of from all sorts of angles. The other the other problem with it is that, and this is probably a more jaded view, but I think that what can happen is, okay, like what you mentioned, you take the counter offer, and maybe people perceive you as someone who is just kind of going with the punches, is uh, adapting to a new situation, and so you decide that you're going to stay and. You know that you're just making that decision because it it seems attractive to stay. Uh, there could be people out there also who think that you were saying you're going to resign just to get these additional benefits. I think that that is is again more of a um, I guess more of a sinister view on it. But I think that you risk at least being perceived as somebody who said you had an offer elsewhere as a way of threatening people as some sort of ultimatum to get what you want at your organization. And I think that doesn't, again, I think that doesn't serve your personal brand very well. Understood. Thank you. Well, tell me, Joseph, anything else you really want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Well, I think that I just mentioned that I think it's really good we're talking about this topic because I think so much is uh, talked about related to your first 90 days. And I think that's really important. But again, I think that at least for me, whenever I've left a job behind, I try to remind myself of two things. One is that final impressions really do matter a lot when it comes to your professional reputation and your legacy. And I also just remind myself that I'm still working for this company. Like I think sometimes we can get a little arrogant the moment we have another offer lined up. And I think it's important to be modest and just remember, hey, this is your employer who is still paying your bills and stuff. And so you really should give 100% from the moment you resign all the way till your last day there. Now, I'm not saying do more than 100% or, or less than 100%. I'm just saying do 100%, do your job, do it well. And I think if you do that, you'll exit in a good manner. All right. Lovely. Thank you. Now, can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes is related to persistence. And I'll just read it off to you. This is a quote from Jacob Reese. When nothing seems to help, I go and look at a stone cutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. And I love that quote, Pete, because it's just a reminder to me, sometimes I get a little frustrated because I'm not making as much progress with stuff as I want to, especially related to, I don't know, career, life, goals, things like that. Things just don't tend to move along as quickly as I ever want them to. And I just try to remind myself that all this work that you're putting in to whatever you're working toward, you're, you're just planting seeds. And sometimes it just takes a while for those seeds to grow. Yes, thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? I hate to talk about one of my own little projects here, but I, I actually find that the stories from the people who are on my podcast are really helpful to me also because these are real people making real changes. And I talk about career change on my podcast, but it's quite meta for me because I've recently made a career change myself, leaving the corporate world to start my own business. And I, I find it very educational to just hear not only about people's success stories, but their actual challenges and their emotional struggles and the loneliness and the self-doubt that they dealt with along the way. Because I think that it's just a nice reminder for me to know that most of the things you do in life are, are if they're worthwhile, they're going to be difficult. Because if they weren't difficult, everybody would be doing them. So I, I take a lot of uh, notes 
when I'm hearing other people's stories, when they're navigating something that I care about. And how about a favorite book? Great by Choice by Jim Collins. And that is a fantastic book. It's basically a book. He writes a lot of business books. And this one's about comparing companies or teams that succeed to companies or teams that don't succeed. And there's just some really great concepts in that book that you can apply to your own life and your own career. If you do check out the book, I'd recommend you, if you read one chapter, read the one about the 20 mile march, which is about just putting in a certain amount of work every single day to eventually get where you want to go. Oh, that's good. That's good. And co-author Morton Hansen from episode 278. So good. Oh, right. Sharp guys coming up there. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And and how about a favorite tool, something that helps you be awesome at your job? So I actually, a couple of years ago, I spent a lot of time looking at a whole bunch of different tools to help me be more efficient because I just felt like I was so scattered with all the different things I had going on. So I'll mention, I'll mention a couple here if it's okay. The The first one is Trello. Have you heard of that? Or oh, I've, that? I've used some Trello, yeah. Yeah, Trello's great. It's basically like a virtual post-it note app you can use on your desktop, your your mobile phone, and it's just a great way of organizing projects. I use them for workflow for my own podcast, and it's I just like the visual nature of it. Wonderlist is my go-to checklist program, and I like it just because it's a multi-platform. I can organize things by topic. I can set deadlines. It's simple. Love that. And then I use Dropbox for pretty much every single one of my projects where I'm working with different freelancers or suppliers in different parts of the world. So yeah, Trello, Wonderlist, and Dropbox. Okay. And how about a favorite habit? Something that you do regularly that helps you be awesome? Well, I don't know if it it makes... I don't know if I would consider myself an awesome person. But, oh, I but do, in the, Joseph. I do. <laughs> right. But okay, I'll, I'll give myself that label temporarily. So I would actually say that... Um, Taking the time to take care of yourself is really important. And, and I mentioned that one, not because I think I do it well necessarily, but because it's actually something I struggled with for a while, self-care and making sure that I take breaks from my work. And now I'm doing a lot more of that. And I am noticing how it really affects my energy and my ability to bring 100% to every other aspect of my life. So, so just to get really specific, I try to make sure that I'm doing some exercise every day. So today I, I went swimming and I, I, you know, it doesn't take forever. It takes 20 minutes to do that, but I am left feeling really energized the rest of the day. And it helps me, it helps me bring more energy to relationships, to my work, to, to being a father, to, to really everything in my life. And so, yeah, I think make sure you take care of yourself. Is there a particular nugget or piece that you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? Yeah, I think the one that comes up most often is this idea that you have to let go of one thing to make room for something else in your life. And I think I mentioned that just because I think a lot of times, especially when it comes to careers, people want to try to have everything. And that can be quite paralyzing because it's hard to have everything. And so I think career pivots are about choices and it's about trade-offs and it's about deciding what's the most important thing to you but also realizing that you've got a finite amount of space in your life, in your career. And so you, you will have to let go of something in order to make room for something else. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Yeah, so they can go to my website, which is josephplu.com. And there they can learn more about my 
speaking in workshops and my online courses and also my career relaunch podcast. All right. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for those seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Well, I would just say that it is worth investing the time to find meaningful work in your life. And I think you can find meaningful work. And so I would just challenge you to invest the time necessary in understanding what sort of work allows you to make the most of who you are. And I think if you can figure that out, then you can be awesome at your job. Cool. Well, Joseph, this has been so much fun. Thank you for for taking this time and and good luck with the Career Relaunch podcast and, and all the good stuff you're doing. All right. Well, thanks so much, Pete. And it's been great talking to you. I love the way Joseph just kept piling on more and more and more reasons not to accept a counteroffer, which I thought was pretty compelling and intriguing as some extra food for thought that I wasn't expecting to get. So I hope that serves you well, and you may well have that in mind if you find yourself in the situation of resigning. And again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to items that we've referenced, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F304. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. That way you'll hear from our very next guest. It is Kristen Hadid. She's talking about permission to screw up, all the mistakes she made as a young leader and how she inspires hundreds of college students to clean toilets and do so with a smile. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.